Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support a ton. Last month was absolutely incredible, a career month for me. Let's keep that momentum going, let's make November even better, and yeah, let's get right into the episode. First, I'm going to talk about my top 10 centers in the NBA right now. Uh, first, starting off with some honorable mentions, my first honorable mention being Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond is a guy who we all know is an incredible rebounder. That's uh, really a specialty. He is one of the best rebounders of all time. Uh, I mean, averaged over 15 rebounds a game uh, in this season. He's averaged nearly 14 throughout his career. So obviously he does that very well. And that is something that's valuable and that uh, teams will want. But at the end of the day, uh, even though his stats are uh, very good 17.7 points 15.2 rebounds 2.7 assists uh he got 1.6 blocks 1.9 steals i really just don't think his style of play is that impactful in the modern nba anymore i don't think someone who really doesn't have much offensive skill uh and someone who really isn't that good of a defender even though he'll average a uh, fine amount of steals and blocks a lot of the times he just gets dusted in the pick and roll. And a lot of the times he doesn't seem like he's just putting his full effort out there. A lot of the times it just looks like he's uh, looking to get stats, which I mean is fine. But I wouldn't want that on my team. He's a terrible free throw shooter, shooting uh, 57.5%. Uh, it's improved from like the 30% it used to be, but that's still not good by any means. And yeah, I just honestly wouldn't want Andre Drummond on my team. Whenever people bring up the idea of Andre Drummond going to my Celtics, I always just think that's a horrible idea because I think uh, Gordon Hayward, who would be the person they'd trade, is just simply a better basketball player than Andre Drummond. And honestly, I'd rather have Daniel Tice starting than Andre Drummond. But he still is a valuable player at the end of the day with what he does well. Uh, But I would just not want him on my team personally, but I could see uh, the rationale behind why you'd want Andre Drummond on your team. Uh, Next, we got Steven Adams uh, of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's just a guy who, honestly, uh, even though he doesn't really do anything, like, incredibly, he just does a lot of the uh, things that you would expect out of a center well. He rolls to the basket well. He's a very good rebounder. Uh, Even though his... Uh, perimeter defense is something that can be an issue, especially in the playoffs. We saw that uh, against the uh, Portland Tra- Trailblazers in that five-game series where Damian Lillard hit the uh, walk-off shot. He was getting killed in the pick-and-roll by uh, C.J. McCollum. So that's definitely something that he's not great at, but he's going to roll to the basketball. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to block shots. He's going to play smart defense, even though he'll only average about a block a game he's someone who just knows how to use his body well to throw off shots Uh, and he's a a very unselfless guy Uh, you never see him just trying to pad his stats he's not like an Andre Drummond or Hassan Whiteside type of guy where a lot of times it looks out it looks like they're just out there to put up stats and get their next contract like I can always trust Steven Adams to just go out there and try and play winning basketball and I think Steven Adams is valuable to whatever team he's going to be on. I'll be interested to see if the Thunder try and move him because uh, they have a very, very interesting offseason coming up for them. Uh, just with 
them having a lot of older players who can be impactful for winning games. Uh, and we don't know if that's the direction they want to go in. And I think Steven Adams could be valuable if he was traded to a team like the Kings, maybe, who have needed help at the center position, especially with Marvin Bagley dealing with a ton of injuries. There's a lot of teams that would like Steven Adams. Uh, the only thing that really does hurt his value is his contract, as he's on a very, very big contract, even though I like Steven Adams a ton. Uh, just for what he brings, you cannot be getting paid that much. you got to be a lot more versatile to be getting paid over $25 million a year as a center. But Steven Adams still a good player and still a player that I would want on uh, any team. Next, we got Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks coming off a very, very good season. Though his three-point shot definitely uh, dipped, it was incredible the previous season. He shot almost 37% on 6.3 game, only shot 31% on 4.8 a game, but was still very good and very impactful for uh, this team. His defense is something that took a big step and was really impressive this year. You could see he was putting a lot of effort on that side of the ball. And, uh, I mean, it paid off. They were the best defense in the league. Uh, he was on an all-defensive team, and that was well-deserved. He was a guy who could have even been in defensive player of the year conversations. Like, he was playing incredible defense for this team. And then he's still a guy who, even though he sh didn't shoot well, is going to be a threat out there and it's going to be someone that the defense at least has to pay attention to. His rebounding is something that's never really been that good. Uh, and it's never going to be something that's impressive. Uh, but he's still a guy who can also go back to the old Brick Lopez once in a while and uh, pull off some impressive post moves. And we've seen that with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Sometimes when their offense is getting stagnant, uh, it's always nice that they can just have Brooke Lopez to rely on in the post sometimes uh, j just to give them a different look and to kind of uh, keep the defense off guard. And Brooke Lopez was very good in the playoffs. Uh, let me just look at his playoff stats. Like, yeah, he averaged uh, about 16 points per game. His threes were really hidden in the playoffs. Uh, shot five on nearly 40%. Obviously, I don't expect that production because that'd be ridiculous if he shot five on 40%, especially after the season he came off of. But, yeah, he really proved his value in the playoffs. Played some very good basketball. Uh, and I just uh, really like what Brook Lopez brings to this Bucks team. He... Uh, is a very good defender, a guy who's going to be a threat out there from three, and someone who can go back to his old style play uh, every once in a while and and do some impressive post moves. Uh, just does all the traditional things that you'd want a center to do. Next, we got Serge Ibaka of the Toronto Raptors, one of the most interesting free agents going in uh, to this offseason, especially with this being such a weak class. He's one of the better players. Uh, and I'll be very interested to see where he goes. And I think he can make a massive impact depending on where he goes. A team like the New Orleans Pelicans would be a beautiful fit with a guy like Serge Ibaka, who is someone who can really space the floor uh, and then is going to be a guy who blocks shots very well. Like, Serge Ibaka is a very, very good shooter. 3.3 uh, game on nearly 39%. He's also someone who is a good mid-range shooter as well. Uh Great in the pick and pop. That's one of the things he's a, he excels at. Uh, rebounds the ball decently. Nothing special, but uh, about eight a game and two offensive rebounds a game. That's good. Uh, about .8 blocks a game. Uh, definitely took a bit of a drop from the previous season, but he's still a very solid defender. As he's just a high IQ guy that uh, plays smart defense. He came off the bench for a lot of 
uh, the season for the Toronto Raptors, uh, and he was still super impactful. And I think it's key that if they want to be a competitive team still, that they re-sign him, especially uh, with Marcus Gasol going, going back overseas. Uh, he's going to be a massive piece for the uh, for them to try and re-sign, and a lot of teams are going to want him because, like I said, the value that he brings uh, is something any team would want. Any team would want a shooting big who is a high IQ guy who can play defense. Uh, he shot four threes a game and shot 51% of the playoffs. I remember he was torching my Celtics. He was a huge, a huge, huge problem for them to guard, and he was killing them in the uh, pick and pop. That was something that was really frustrating to watch because he was hitting some deep shots, and this was on no starts. He was still averaging about 15, 7.7 rebounds. Uh, 1.3 blocks. Like I love Serge Ibaka. I love the value he brings to any team, and he's going to be someone who you should definitely watch in free agency. Even though he's not a star name, he's going to have a very big impact for whatever team he goes to. Last honorable mention, we got Lamarcus Aldridge coming off a bit of a weird season. Where honestly, the whole vibe of the uh, San Antonio Spurs was just really weird because we all know they've been such a good team for so many years now. But something was just off about this team this year. But LaMarcus is still coming off a good season. About 19 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 49% from the field, 39% from 3, and about 83% from the line. Still an incredibly uh, talented offensive player. Uh, a guy who is very, very good in the post. A guy whose mid-range game is uh, just ridiculous. His three-point shot is something that was way better this year. As I remember, it was like, I think it was December or something. It was just a certain month where he started shooting like five threes a game, and he was shooting really good percentages. He shot three threes a game on 39%. Like, that is so, so good. So if he can keep that up, uh, and if that's not a fluke, then that's going to be a... Uh, very impactful for whatever team he's on. I would like to see him move from the Spurs team because I just want to see the Spurs get younger. I want to see them go in a youth direction because uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge and with DeMar DeRozan, they're kind of just going to be in this limbo spot where they're not bad enough to get a high enough pick, but they're also not good enough to be a contender or sometimes not even good enough to make the playoffs. So I would just like to see LaMarcus on a new team. And I think he could be very impactful for a team who really needs uh, another offensive piece. He's a guy who's never going to be really that good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he just isn't that athletic. And he's always been an, a more offensive-focused player anyway. Uh, yeah, so if a team needs uh, offense at the big man position, I think LaMarcus Aldridge would be a great pickup. And I think... He, you could get him on pretty low value, maybe just a, a bad contract and a pick, and you could get LaMarcus because he is an older player. Uh, going into his age 35 season, that is a little bit worrying if at some point he's going to hit that point of regression. But he is a player who really doesn't rely on athleticism at all. It's just more skill. So hopefully he can continue to shoot the three ball well because then he's going to be impactful for a long time in the league. And even if he's not the same LaMarcus that is killing it in the post and is killing it in the mid-range area, uh, teams are always going to value bigs who can shoot the three ball well. So yeah, Marcus is our last honorable mention. At number 10, we got Jonas Valanciunas of the Memphis Grizzlies coming off a very, very good season for them. Averaged about 15 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists on 58.5% for the field, 35% from 3, and 74% from the line. 
uh, he was just a very impactful part on a Grizzlies team that surprised a lot of people, and he was a big reason uh, that they were a big surprise. He was a guy who shot the three ball uh, pretty well, didn't shoot it on like a crazy amount of attempts or anything. He shot 1.3 a game on 35%, uh, percent, so that was definitely nice to see. I always love when big men are expanding their range, and I've talked about multiple times how valuable I think it is to be able to have a center who can space the floor. Uh, is a guy that's very good in the post, and that's an option that the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, it's kind of similar to like uh, the Milwaukee Bucks with Brook Lopez. If their offense is stagnant, sometimes they can just give it down to the post uh, and give it down to Jonas Valanciunas, and you're going to rely on him um, making a good move and scoring because he's just very good down there. A guy who is a really good rebounder, averaged three offensive rebounds a game, 11 overall. Uh, not a very good defender. That is something that he's uh, not great at, especially guarding in space. But is a guy who's uh, pretty big and strong, so he can guard in the post well. Uh, and I just like Jonas Valanciunas a lot. I just love his ability to roll to the basket. I really like his ability in the post, and I like that he's expanding his range. He's a guy who can shoot mid-ranges, a guy whose three ball is working uh, and is improving every year. So, yeah, I just like Jonas Valanciunas a lot. I like the value that he brings to whatever team he's going to be on. And I like him a lot on this Memphis Grizzlies team. I think he's very good for them. And I think he's a piece that they should definitely keep, especially with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who I love, uh, still not being a good rebounder yet. I think having Jonas Valanciunas next to him, who is one of the better rebounders in the league, is a very, very good piece for them. At number nine, we got DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. Coming off a really good second season for him, averaged 18.2 points, uh, 11.5 rebounds, and about two assists on 54.6% from the field, 23% from three, and 75% on the uh, from the line. He's just a guy who can truly be uh, a dominant offensive player uh, at one point in his career. Like he could be one of the best offensive centers in the entire league. He's uh, more of a traditional back to the basket. Uh, guy in the post but he is very very good at it he's refined his game a ton uh, and he's a guy who is just physically very dominant as well he's uh, one of the bigger centers in the league as far as uh, strength and weight uh, and he's super toned he's just really really good in the post a great offensive rebounder as well which is shown by that size um, average almost four game which is very valuable getting those expert extra possessions for his team is something that will be super valuable for whatever team he's on. He's a guy who, in the bubble at least, showed a bit of an ability to shoot threes, uh, which is something that I thought going into his uh, career that he was going to be able to do. So if he can do that, that's going to be so valuable for the Suns team because he's already so dominant in the post. He's a guy who uh, is a pretty good mid-range shooter and is a guy who's a good free throw shooter. That So that shows he should be able to uh, transition into being a good three-point shooter. Uh, even if it's only like 1.5 a game, even if he's just like Jonas Valanciunas from the three-point line, 1.5 a game on 35%, that's super valuable because he's such a versatile offensive player. A guy who, uh, even though I think he settles for them a little too often, he is good at them. Uh, he's really good at his post fades. He's a guy who's improved a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Still is far from perfect and still has things to work on. Uh, but just with his body, he's a guy who can uh, impact shots at the rim. Uh, and with him... Uh, just getting more experience and improving his IQ. He should uh, just become better and better each time. But, yeah, he's coming off a very good season. Did have that suspension 
um, which was tough for the Phoenix Suns, as that was a big reason why, even though they went 8-0 in the bubble, they ended up missing the playoffs. We really saw his impact uh, after they started off hot with Aaron Baines playing some incredible basketball, and I love Aaron Baines, but we saw the impact of DeAndre not being there at their starting center position and they missed him a ton, but when they got him back, they played some excellent basketball and he was the big reason because of that. So I think DeAndre Ains in for a massive season next year. I think he's a guy who can at one point in his career, I'm not saying this is now, but I think he's a guy who could average like 25 and 12. I really think that he's that good of an offensive talent. And so if he can just keep him improving on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be out. Uh, Honestly, a generational ta- uh, talent at the center position. I love DeAndre Ayton. Next, we're going to talk about Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic. A guy coming off a pretty decent season. Uh, averaged about 19.6 points, 10.9 rebounds, 3.6 assists. About 48% from the field, 34% from three, and 78% from the line. Honestly, just the typical Nikola Vucevic season you'd expect. Uh, He led the Magic to the playoffs yet again. Didn't make the All-Star team in uh, this one. And was a slight drop-off from the previous season where he had a career year. Averaged about 21 uh, on very good efficiency. uh, But was still good this season. That is for sure. And I think without uh, him, even though I would like to see Mo Bamba uh, get some more opportunity... Without him, the Orlando Magic would be an atrocious offensive team. He's basically all of their offense uh, and really uh, carries them on that side of the ball. Isn't a great defender, but he has so many good defenders around him that he really doesn't need to be. Like when you got a lineup where it's like Markel Fultz, uh, Terrence Ross, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, it's not like Nikola Vucevic has to be a great defender because he's got so many versatile guys around him so he can really just focus on the offensive side of the ball where he's very good a guy who is uh has the mix of having a traditional game having a traditional good back to the basket game uh with the mix of also a guy who can shoot the three ball pretty well shot 4.7 a game on 34 percent would like to see the percentage get up a little bit but i love to see that volume guy who is a very good free throw shooter uh and even though he's been exposed in the playoffs these past couple of years, I don't really think that's a product of him. I think it's more of a product of uh, this Orlando Magic team and just the lack of versatile weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball because uh, defense can really put their entire focus on him, and especially when you have such good defending centers. Like, if you think about it, the playoff series he's played uh, in these past two years, he had to face Marcus Hall and Serge Ibaka, and then he had to face Brooke Lopez well, and Giannis, if Giannis was ever guarding him. That's a really tough position to be in, especially when you don't have much offensive talent around you at all. But Nikola Vucevic is definitely still a very valuable player and very valuable to this Magic team. Uh, yeah, it's like what he brings on the offensive side of the ball, and he's a very good player uh, who's going to continue to be that for a while. I expect him to just keep up what he's doing right now. Uh, next, I got Yusuf Nurkic. Of the Portland Trail Blazers. Now, he is coming off a bit of a weird season as he only played uh, in the bubble because he uh, was coming off that gruesome leg injury. But he honestly played some excellent basketball in the bubble, especially considering this was his first time back on the court. Averaged 17.6 points, 10.3 rebounds, 4 assists, about 50% from the field, 20% from 3, and about 89% from the line. Obviously, that's a smaller sample size. Uh, 
because it's only eight games. But, you, yeah, he was playing some very good basketball in there. He showed uh, a better ability to shoot the three. It, it wasn't anything that was uh, crazy, but shot 1.3 game, only 20%. Uh, but it's more about, for me, the willingness to shoot the three and the willingness to expand your game. Uh, so if he can continue to do that, that's going to be huge for the Trailblazers team because he's already a guy who is very skilled in the post, one of the better uh, post-league men of the league, just very, very good down there. He's not a crazy defender, uh, and we saw him get eaten alive by Anthony Davis because you could just tell uh, he wasn't in NBA-ready shape yet. Like, he was still playing good, but you could tell he was exhausted at some points because he had to play heavy minutes uh, for the Trailblazers to try and make this uh, playoff push that they did end up making. Uh, but he's still a guy who's very smart on the defensive side of the ball, and he's pretty decent, a guy who can block shots uh, decently and a guy who can get uh, steals here and there. Someone who is a very good rebounder, uh, has been that throughout his career, averaged over 10 these past two seasons. Uh, and I just... I uh, really like Nikola Jokic, uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic's game. Uh, he's just a very, very good offensive big whose uh, game is very polished uh, and is a guy who can play defense pretty well and is someone who uh, looks like he could be expanding his game. I think he's going to be in for a very good season next year. I think he's going to be one of the better bigs uh, in the league this next season. He's a guy who's also a very good playmaker. That's something that's pretty underrated about him. I mean, he averaged four assists a game. He had some near, like, triple doubles in the bubble. He's had some, uh, like, triple doubles in the past. I think he was uh, a player who was, like, the most recent player to get a 5x5. Five five. He's just a very versatile player who can do a lot of things out there, and I really like Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's in for a great season next year. I think he's going to be in much better basketball shape, and he's going to be very, very good for the Portland Trailblazers team. Uh, next, we got Chris Dapsworthingus of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, a guy who, even though he has struggled with health, and that is something that I am worried about, especially as a guy who is not a Mavericks fan, but because Luka Doncic is my favorite player, I always want the Mavericks to win. It's definitely something that scares me that he's dealt with so many lower body injuries, because he, at the end of the day, he's a 7-3 guy, and that's something that's always plagued players at his size, especially guys who... Uh, really are like uh, high volume offensive players and who are relied on on the offensive side of the ball uh, and we're playing heavy minutes but when Chris Asperzingis is out there he is uh incredible big man I just love what Chris Asperzingis brings to the game about average about 20 and a half points 9.5 rebounds 1.8 assists on about 43 percent from the field 35 percent from three 80 percent from the line uh, I just think he is so, so valuable on the offensive side of the ball. A guy who could really shoot the three ball, shot seven a game on nearly 35%. That's so impressive at the big man position. He is a guy who's working on his post game, and it's far from perfect. He relies on uh, fadeaway jumpers a lot, but he is getting better at those. He's a very uh, pretty good free throw shooter, almost 80% on five a game. Uh, a guy who's rebounding is never going to be great, but has definitely improved that part of his game. Uh, averaged about 9.5, 1.8 offensive rebounds. He's, again, far from a great rebounder, but he's pretty decent. And as a guy who throughout his entire career is going to be a very good shot blocker, has averaged basically two a game for his entire career. And that's something that I feel honestly goes a little bit under the radar because people 
are so infatuated with his ability to shoot the ball uh, at his size, which I completely understand. But he's a very good defensive player, a guy who is incredibly mobile for him being 7'3", and can even guard on the perimeter sometimes. And then uh, when he's uh, down low, is a very good shot blocker and one of the better shot blockers in the league. Uh, we all know what Chris Porzingis brings to the game. He's just one of the most unique players uh, in NBA history and is someone who brings a lot of value to the game. I just really hope he stays healthy because I think him and Luka Doncic uh, really got this chemistry that they didn't have early in the season, but when they got that chemistry, uh, they were starting to kill it out there, and they were starting to play some excellent basketball. So if I think I think if Chris Stapps stays healthy, uh, they're going to be one of the best duos in the league next year, and I think Chris Stapps is going to be even better because we really saw him, especially towards the end of the season and in the bubble, he was playing ridiculous. He was playing such good basketball, uh, and his stats are a little bit down, but that's mostly due to the fact that at the beginning of the season, he was definitely struggling, and he was a guy you, you could see he was uh, still coming back from the injury. And he was still trying to get in that basketball uh, rhythm. But once he got in it, once he was uh, in the best basketball shape he's uh, he had been in, he was playing so, so good. And I think he's going to be in for a massive season next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a 24-10 and 10 guy on two blocks, shoots like 36.5% from three on like eight attempts. I think he's in for a massive season next year. And I think him and Luka Doncic are going to be a ridiculous duo coming into this next season. Number five, we got Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. Uh, obviously, we know what Rudy Gobert does. One of the better uh, defensive players in the entire league. That's been his forte for uh, basically his entire career. He's a guy who you can always rely on to average two blocks. One of the best rim protectors in the entire league. Uh, arguably the best rim protector in the entire league. Um, and yeah, that's just what he brings on the defensive side of the ball. We've seen him make multiple massive plays. I remember uh, the regular season game uh, against the Dallas Mavericks where Rudy Gobert got the chase down block on the DeLon Wright to win the game for them. Uh, and then he's definitely improved his offense a lot. Uh, he used to be very soft on the offensive side of the ball, and I feel like he would just get swatted way too often on uh, easy shots, but he's a guy who's uh, with him building on more muscle and becoming stronger, it's a guy who really finishes hard uh, and will uh, be a good lob threat, a guy who can rebound the ball very well, uh, will get about three and a half offensive rebounds per game, getting his team extra possessions, uh, and then is just going to roll to the basket, is going to occasionally get a post touch here and there, uh, and is someone who's going to get to the free throw line uh, every once in a while, uh, and we'll finish there about uh, at 63%, which obviously is far from great. But shooting 5.9 a game, uh, it's still getting him 3.7 points a game, and that's definitely valuable. And, yeah, we just all know what Rudy Gobert brings. Uh, I would still like him to be better in the playoffs for sure, as that's something that he's uh, uh, been a little bit underwhelming in. And in certain matchups especially, he's going to get exposed. He's a guy who's pick-and-roll defense is something that he needs to work on. As a lot of times in playoff series against very good guards, which he's had to face in every playoff series with him having to face uh, Jamal Murray in this one, with him having to face Russell Westbrook, uh, James Harden. Like, he's had to face a lot of good guards, and uh, they are always 
uh, looking for that switch of Rudy Gobert because they know he's a good defensive player, but they know when he has to defend in space, it's not the same. Uh, and, yeah, he's still a very good player, still incredibly value what he brings to the defensive side of the ball, but he's just not someone I necessarily uh, believe in a ton because I, I'm a big guy on versatility, and I don't think he brings enough versatility. That's why I have Bam Adebayo, who is my number four, above Rudy Gobert. Uh, because Bam Adebayo is easily one of the most versatile players in the entire league, especially at the center position. I mean, let's look at his stat line. About 16 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. That is so, so good. A guy who can really bring the ball up the floor, which is one of his most impressive abilities and was something that I absolutely love to see. I love uh, this Miami Heat's coaching staff because they – are a coaching staff that will allow a guy like Bam Adebayo to really expand his game and will allow him to bring the ball up the core. We saw that a ton of him bringing the ball up the core, and he's a very, very good uh, ball handler for the center position, and he's a, he's an excellent passer at the center position, a guy who you can always rely on to hit cutters. Uh, and then when he's having a worse center on him wh- where he can dominate on the offensive side of the ball – uh, that just unlocks its passing even more. We saw him have a ridiculous season, uh, a ridiculous series against the Celtics, where in a series with Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, he was the best player in that series, and it's really not even that much of a debate. And I, obviously he's not the best player out of uh, those guys, but he had the best uh, series. He was so, so incredible in that one. We saw a whole nother... Uh, aspect of his offensive game unlocked with his ability to hit the mid-range he was killing the Celtics in the mid-range area especially when they would do a pick and roll and he would do a bit of a short roll uh Goran Dragic would dump it off to him he was killing them in that area he was doing so so well he was rebounding the ball like crazy and he's just a guy who brings a ton of energy who will play his heart out every single uh, possession and is a guy who can uh defend very very well Uh, he had that crazy block on Jason Tatum he's a a guy who is one of the best uh, probably honestly the best uh, center at guarding the perimeter especially on switches Uh, a lot of the times when a team will face the heat they'll try and take uh, advantage of Bam Adebayo on a switch and it really does nothing because you can't take advantage of him on a switch because he's so good at guarding the perimeter. Teams need to learn to not do that anymore because it's just not effective. Bam is just simply too good. Uh, and then his offense, yeah, his offense is something that uh, is taking a leap every single year. I think it's going to be even better next year. I think he's going to be a guy who can shoot the ball uh, some point soon. We've we've heard so much that he's a guy who can shoot the ball. Like Jimmy Butler has got on him so much that he doesn't shoot enough. He even said like every game that Bam doesn't shoot a three, he has to pay Jimmy like a hundred dollars. So it's in there. I just want to see him unlock it. And with his ability to shoot uh the mid range very well, I I can tell it's in there somewhere. And when he brings that out, with him already being so versatile on offense and defense, that just makes him even more versatile. It just adds another facet to his already very uh, deep and skilled game. So, yeah, I absolutely love Bam Adebayo. He's one of my favorite players in the entire league. Uh, And I just think he's so impactful and he's so valuable to whatever team he's going to be on. And this Miami Heat team is is blessed to have him because he is just so, so incredible. I love Bam Adebayo, and I think he's so 
perfect for the modern NBA. Probably one of the best fitting players in the modern NBA. Number three, we got Carl Anthony Towns, a player who is one of the best offensive centers I've ever seen and honestly could go down as the greatest offensive center of all time, and that is no exaggeration. I mean, he averaged 26.5 points, nearly 11 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 51% from the field, 41% from three, and about 80% from the line. Carl Anthony Towns is the greatest shooting big man of all time. I know a lot of people are stuck in their nostalgia with saying Dirk Nowitzki, and I love Dirk Nowitzki. He's one of my favorite players ever, and he's up there as far as big men shooters, but honestly, it should be no debate that it's Carl Anthony Towns. He's a dude who, at 7 foot shot, 7.93s a game and shot 41%. That is really special and we need to start just crediting Carl Anthony Towns a ton. I mean, he shot 4 40% on 4.6 attempts the previous season, shot 42% on 3.5 uh the season before that. Like he's truly a very special offensive talent uh and yeah, his ability to hit the three ball is so ridiculous and could really stretch out the floor. He's a guy who we even saw at some points, he wasn't even taking catch and shoots. At some points, he was taking like step back threes at seven foot. That is ridiculous. Uh, I remember there was a clip of like Anthony Davis doing a step back three and someone was like, oh, name another seven footer who could do this. And then, then I saw everyone's like, bro, Carl Anthony Towns does this like at least once a game. And he really does. He's so, so special on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and even though his defense is very lackluster, I don't know if he's ever going to be good on the defensive side of the ball. His offense is just so valuable that I have to rank him high. Did have a bit of a weird season as he only played 35 games uh, last year. He was just dealing with a ton of like lingering injuries. It was like he'd get sick, and then he'd get a knee injury. He would, like, tweak his ankle. It was just a lot of that stuff. And at a certain point, I think the Timberwolves knew what position they were in, so they were just in the tanking direction. But, yeah, he is such a skilled offensive player whose playmaking is something that I feel like has gone super under under the radar. He's improved a lot as a playmaker. I mean, he averaged nearly four and a half a game last year. Uh, and if he can continue to improve on that, uh, he's going to be just – a ridiculous and truly generational offensive player because he's already so good at scoring. His three ball is incredible. He's very, very skilled in the post as well, can shoot the mid-range well, uh, really just does everything on the offensive side of the ball, especially with him being a good playmaker now. He's a great rebounder. It's really only the defensive side of the ball that hurt him, hurts him, but literally everything else he's got down, and he's a very, very special player. Uh, I wish he wasn't on the Timberwolves. I wish he was on a team that could uh, surround him with better pieces to win games. But hopefully they can step up and play some better basketball next year because I just really love Carl Anthony Towns as a talent, and I don't want to see such a generational guy get wasted. At number two, we got Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Average 23 points, 11.5 rebounds, about three assists. About 48% from the field, 33% from three, and 81% from the line. Was a bit of a down year for Joel Embiid, to be completely honest. Especially with the previous season he came off of where he was ridiculous in 2019. 2019, he was incredible. Averaged 27.5 points, 13.6 rebounds, 3.7 assists, uh, basically two blocks. Like He was so good that season. And this season... It just kind of was there. Like, 
it was a very awkward fit next to Al Horford where he uh, had even worse spacing than he did in the previous seasons, and it's always a bit of an awkward fit with Ben Simmons with the lack of spacing that he brings. And then it just seemed like he can never get in rhythm, and it seemed like he was just never in the proper shape, which is something that's been a thing about Joel Embiid his entire career, is that he's just never in good enough basketball shape. Uh, And he's still just such a talented player that with him not being in shape, he's one of the 15 best players in the league not being in shape, uh, which just shows how good he is. And that's why he's honestly a little bit disappointing because I know there's another level to Joel Embiid's game. We like we saw that in 2019. He was so, so good. But this constant uh, him getting these uh, tic tac injuries and then him not being in shape, I'm so I'm so tired of it. It's just so annoying because you know he's a generational talent, and I don't want that to be wasted because he can't get his body right, which is something that a professional athlete with all this uh, special training equipment that is only available to these guys and all these nutritionists and uh, these great doctors he. Sh- he should be able to be in better shape. If he gets injured, then, like, yeah, that's just unfortunate. I can't really blame that on him. But him being in shape, that's completely on him, and he's got to be better with that. But I also think the 76ers, again, aren't putting him in a good position at all with getting guys who do not fit next to him. And they're really limiting his uh, incredible talent. He's a guy who is one of the best post players the league has ever seen. Like, his footwork in the post is ridiculous but a lot of times he's having to settle for threes because uh, there's just not spacing on this team and he's a guy who just yeah is a lot it's not even just settling for threes it's just a lot of settling in general I feel like he could be so much more aggressive but it's just something that he hasn't fully unlocked yet and it's something that I thought in 2019 was unlocked but the Sixers made a huge mistake with what they did uh, in the off season, and I think that's going to hurt Joel Embiid's career. But he's so, so talented. Is a guy who is an incredible defender. Uh, even, again, being out of shape, uh, arguably, is still one of the best defenders in the entire league. He's just a one-man show on that side of the ball. And especially with Ben Simmons, they uh, whenever they're on the court, it's going to be a good defense immediately because those two are so talented on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I had to have Joel at two. He is a very talented player, but there's just certain things that he lacks that are simply unacceptable. And number one, easy pick, Nikola Jokic. Not even an argument, and anyone who makes the argument, you're probably a 76ers fan. Uh, he averaged about 20, 10, and 7. Beautiful stat line from Nikola Jokic. 53% from the field. Three-point shot is something that was really on and off. Uh, only shot about uh, 31%, which is something I'd like to see him improve on for sure. Uh, about 82% from the line. But yeah, Nikola Jokic is such a talented offensive player. Uh, he's with Carl Anthony Towns as one of the most talented offensive bigs of all time. Is a guy who we all know about his passing. He's ridiculous as a passer. Just uh, the best passing big man of all time. Nobody should even make an argument against that. He's so, so good as a passer. And is a guy whose game will always step up in the playoffs. And that's that's the biggest part about Nikola Jokic is that I can always rely on him to step up in the playoffs. His past two playoffs have been ridiculous. He averaged about 24.5, uh, 
on 52% from the field, uh, 43% from three on 5.2 attempts, which was very, very impressive. Uh, about 9.8 rebounds, about six assists, and he beat. Uh, he was a big part in beating the Clippers. The Clippers absolutely could not stop Nikola Jokic. He was ridiculous, and he was a big problem for them. Uh, just whoever they threw at him, uh, they couldn't do anything. When he was being uh, only guarding single coverage, he was killing them, and then when he was being doubled, he was slicing them up with passes. So yeah, Nikola Jokic, easy number one center in the league. Nikola Jokic is one of the most uh, talented players we're going to see for a long, long time. And yeah, Nikola Jokic, number one center in the entire NBA. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back to bring you six scouting reports and talk some NFL. Okay, I'm back to bring you some scouting reports on upcoming prospects in the NBA draft. First, starting off with Killian Tilly. Killian Tilly is a 22-year-old, 6'10", 220-pound uh, power forward slash center out of Gonzaga. He averaged 13.6 points, 5 rebounds, and 1.9 assists on 53.5% from the field, uh, 40% from 3, and 72.6% from the line. My strengths are that he has beautiful shot mechanics, some of them, uh, the best shot mechanics uh, at the big man position in the entire draft. He's an excellent three-point shooter for his size, who's just extremely comfortable and natural from out there. Uh, he's willing to take him. Uh, a high volume in every single game he plays and that's just so so valuable at his size he's really special as a three-point shooter he has a very good touch around the rim he has the ability to finish with either either hand can finish uh through contact pretty well he's a very polished post player uh, i was really impressed with his ability in the post he has a great hook shot that he goes to often uh, and he's very good at taking advantage of smaller players on switches uh, he's so, so good at that. He's a very good off-ball player who cuts to the basket well, and he runs off screens, effectively getting him open threes. He has a pretty good handle for his size. Uh, at 6'10", uh, having the handle that he does and having the ability to score off the dribble that he does is very impressive. Uh, he can take a lot of slower players off the dribble and get to the basket pretty well. He's a good passer for a big. He's probably never going to be a guy who averages a ton of assists, uh, but he's just a high IQ guy who will make the right pass. He works very well uh, setting screens. And it's just deadly there because you have to worry about his ability to pop out uh, to three. But he's also a guy who can roll to the basket with uh, some somewhat sneaky athleticism and surprise you and finish well. Uh, he has uh, quick feet, good footwork, good physicality, and a high IQ, which allows him to be a solid defender, though he uh, doesn't have uh, crazy athleticism or uh, strength on that side. And then he's just an overall very high uh, IQ guy who doesn't go out of his role too often and just plays winning basketball, a guy who can seamlessly fit into any team and who uh, any team could use. My weaknesses are that he has a very, very long history of lower body injuries that will definitely scare uh, many teams away for good reason. And that's honestly the biggest issue for him. I think he's an incredibly talented offensive player who is very, very skilled, uh, but I have him a lot lower than I'd want to on my big board just due to the injuries but again strictly as a talent i think he's one of the honestly one of the more talented players in the entire class i'm in love with killian tilly's games uh but it's just the injuries that really scare me about him uh, especially with him being a bigger player uh it's just something that has uh plagued him throughout his entire college career it's just a lot and it's the lower injury the lower body injuries is just even scarier because 
that's something that is uh, plagued so many uh, big men throughout the M- uh, the NBA. So definitely got to worry about that. He's also a four-year college player, which you never want because uh, naturally their ceiling is just going to be lowered because they uh, are an older player who has probably um, maxed out most of their game. Uh, he has a lack of vertical pop that definitely limits his ability as a lob threat and a shot blocker. He's not going to be someone who uh, is ever a big-time shot blocker just due to that, even though he's very smart on that side of the ball. Uh, he also just has solid but not great athleticism, uh, which can definitely limit his ability to guard in space and in the pick-and-roll at times. His rebounding is fine, but it's not great. Uh, and he's not a very strong player. That's something he's definitely got to work on, definitely got to put on muscle uh, to become a better rebounder, to become better on defense. Uh, and he can be foul-prone at times. It's not a big issue, but it is something that can pop up here and there. I have him as a top 30 to 40 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Rockets because uh, he just fits the prototypical Rockets uh, big man so well. Uh, fits like the Ryan Anderson role of... Uh, years previous but will definitely be better on the defensive side of the ball so i think that'd be perfect for them and then the knicks they def- desperately need three-point shooting and he could make a very fun front court and very dynamic front court with mitchell robinson uh next to a guy who's very athletic and is a great uh de- defender great shot blocker and then you have a three-point shooting big uh, who's really skilled offensively my comparison for him is a mix of uh, Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Love has a similar post game and uh, shooting to Kevin Love and then has similar shooting uh, and ability to sometimes score off the dribble as D- Danilo Gallinari. Again, I love Killian Tilly as a talent. I think he's super talented. I think he's incredibly polished on the offensive side of the ball. It's just the injuries that worry me. But other than that, he's a great player, and I love Killian Tilly's game. One of my favorite prospects in the entire draft. Next scouting report will be Robert Woodyard, uh, Woodard. He's a 21-year-old, 6'7", 235-pound forward. Out of Mississippi State, he averaged 11.4 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 1.3 assists on 49.5% from the field, uh, 43% from three, and 64.1% from the line. Uh, Three-point shot is uh, very impressive and has improved a ton from his uh, freshman year where he was really on nobody's radar, but... He definitely uh, stepped up and played a lot better basketball this uh, season for Mississippi State. He uh, He's a very good uh, catch-and-shoot player, which every team's going to value. He's a guy who uh, you can rely on to be uh, stand in the corner and get open catch-and-shoot threes. He's very good at moving off the ball, getting him catch-and-shoot opportunities and cuts to the basket. He has a very good build, 6'7", 235 pounds, pretty strong. That's exactly uh, what you'd want out of any prospect. Uh, just very NBA-ready body. Uh, he has good length as well, which definitely helps him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's a quick first step, good vertical leaping, and great strength. Allows him to be a very effective slasher going to the basket. Uh, he's a very good one-on-one defender whose lateral quickness, uh, mixed with his, uh, good physical ash- attributes and, str- and smarts on that side of the ball, allow him to lock down opponents that size at times, to be honest, he's a very, very good perimeter defender. Uh, he's a very good rebounder for his size as well, 6.5 per game, and getting 2.2 offensive rebounds per game. And he's just a player that could fit on any team, a 3 and D guy who uh, is obviously very valuable uh, in the modern NBA and is something that every team looks for. 
My weaknesses, he uh, has an average to below average handle that limits his shot creation severely and can lead to turnovers at times. Definitely got to tighten up that handle, and that'll be big for uh, him going forward. Uh, he, he shot the ball very well, but that could be fool's gold with the sample size not being very large. He only uh, took 73s in the previous season with a shortened season and him not just shooting a ton per game. Uh, his passing uh, does not stand out at all with a less than uh, one assist to turnover ratio. Definitely has to improve as a passer, uh, and that'll be something that uh, just uh, comes along with him playing more and him uh, becoming a more... Uh, read and react faster sometimes he just needs to make reads a little bit quicker uh, and he's a very poor free throw shooter uh, about 64 percent which could be a bad sign uh, for his shooting being sustainable like i said he didn't shoot many it's a bit of a small sample size uh, but there has been uh, free throw shooters who don't shoot uh, free throws well but are still good three-point shooters so i'm not super worried and though he'll he'll be a very good two-way player i just don't think he'll ever be a star in his career because he's a guy who's very selective with the shooting uh especially with his lack of ability to create his own shot with not great ball handling he's a guy who uh, just picks his spots very well but it's never going to be a guy that you can fuse uh to be a, this big time shot creator who's taking guys off the dribble and hitting pull-up mid-ranges. Like, that's just not him and his game at all. I have him as a top 20 to 30 prospect, and he honestly could really just fit with any team. I think the Mavericks would be a very good team for him uh, as he is someone who uh, has a lot of potential on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something they definitely need. And their wings aren't that great. They have solid guys like Dorian Finney-Smith who are definitely uh, – serviceable but i think uh robert woodard would be very very nice for them uh maybe he could go to a team like the lakers if he slips uh, late in the first round he could be a guy who could come in and immediately play some winning basketball fits uh the style that lebron always wants 3 and d guy my comparison for him i think og Ananobi is an excellent comparison for him very very similar players guys who shoot the ball pretty well never will shoot uh too many are going to be only basically catch-and-shoot guys and who play very good on the defensive side of the ball. I also have Jay Crowder, but I think OG Ananobi is a nearly perfect one-to-one -one comparison, and I like Robert Woodard game because I just think he can be very impactful for whatever team gets him, uh, and he just fits this modern style of basketball perfectly with him being a 3-and-D guy. Next, we're going to talk about Jordan Nawara. Uh, he's a 22-year-old, 6'7", 225-pound forward out of Louisville. Uh, he averaged 18 points, 7.7 .7 rebounds, and 1.3 assists on 44% from the field, 40.2% from three, and 81.3% from the line. His strengths are that he's a quick release that he gets off with ease. He is an excellent uh, three-point shooter who shot both a high volume and percentage uh, in his past few years in college. He's a great catch-and-shoot player. He has the uh, ability to hit very deep shots. Uh, giving me confidence that his shot will definitely transition to the NBA. He pulled off some impressive, sh uh, impressive shots in the film that I watched. He's a good and NBA-ready body. Uh, 6'7", 225 pounds is uh, pretty solid. Maybe we'd like to see him put on like 10 pounds, but uh, still pretty good. Uh, he moves off the ball very well, getting him open catch-and-shoot threes. Uh, and getting him shots at the basket off cutting. Uh, I really like his uh, off-ball ability, especially when college teams were running zone, which obviously he won't see as much in the NBA. But he uh, just did a very good job of knowing uh, 
where to go in in his own uh, and to slice up the defense. So I definitely like that. That shows uh, high IQ uh, for sure. Uh, he can hit shots off the dribble when defenders close out hard. Uh, he's good at doing the thing where it's uh, de defenders closing out really hard and they jump. And then you just pump fake, sidestep, open three. He's good at doing that. Uh, he's a smart defensive player who does a good job of defending off the ball. He's a very solid rebounder for his size. 7.7 .7 rebounds at only 6.7 is very good. And he's just a high uh, character and IQ guy who will seamlessly fit into any locker room and will seamlessly fit into any team. Uh, my weaknesses uh, is that uh, his finishing definitely needs improvement. His touch is just not very good. It's uh, very disappointing, to be honest, because he has the size. Uh, to be a good finisher, and he should be able to finish through contact, but he just needs to improve that touch. His athleticism is very, very lackluster. He's not a good vertical leaper, which uh, limits his ability to shot block uh, at times and will limit his ability as a slasher. And his speed definitely uh, limits his game in multiple areas, limits his ability to get to the basket because he lacks an elite first step. Uh, he can struggle to guard in isolation and can't switch, which... Uh, really limits his defensive versatility. His um, uh, his lateral quickness is definitely something that's very lackluster, and, uh, and it's just uh, tough for him because it's something that he really can't improve. And a lot of the issues with his games, uh, he can't improve that much. Uh, he has an average handle, which limits his shot creation ability and leads to turnovers. His passing is very baseline. Needs to make quicker reads. Uh, that'll hopefully be something that just comes along with him continuing to play more basketball. Uh, and this baseline passing is shown uh, in the poor assist-to-turnover ratio. He, uh, that can definitely lead to turnovers at times, and smaller, uh, smarter defenders can uh, trick him sometimes into making uh, bad passes. And his potential is just limited due to his uh, lack of athleticism and ball handling. Uh, his ceiling is just a little bit lower, as he's going to be a guy who can probably... Uh, only come in and be mostly just a shooter and a guy who can hopefully play at least decent defense. I'm I have him as a top uh, 40 to 50 prospect. The Spurs, uh, they could really use someone to just come in and be a three-point specialist for them. And then the 76ers, whenever there's a guy who can shoot the ball, I just recommend the 76ers get him because uh, they just need as much three-point shooting as they get. Uh, and my comparison for Jordan Noir is Cam Johnson of the Phoenix Suns, another guy who can really shoot the ball very well, someone who's not super athletic. Uh, and I think Cam Johnson will be better than him, but I think uh, he fits that role of being uh, a bit of a smaller four who can shoot the ball very well and isn't crazy uh, athletic. But Cam Johnson is definitely more athletic to Jordan Noir, and that's the thing that's the worst part of his game. But... Uh, very skilled shooter, and that should transition to the NBA. Next, I'm going to talk about Cassius Winston. He's a 22-year-old, 6'1", 185-pound guard out of Michigan State. He averaged 18.6 points, 2.5 rebounds, and uh, 5.9 assists on 44.8% from the field, 43.2% from three, and 85.2% from the free throw line. My strengths, he uh, has very quick and shifty handles that allow him to break down his defender with ease, and he's a very good scorer off the dribble. He can get to the basket with those handles. He can uh, pull up for three. He can pull up for mid-range. Just uh, does a very good job of using his handles. He's an excellent three-point shooter. He shot he shot about four to five a game for these past three years, and on around forty-five on around forty percent, which is so so good. Uh, 
I mean, 43% this previous season. That's incredible. He's a good mid-range shooter, uh, great three-point shooter overall who can uh, shoot threes in a variety of ways, a, a very good free-throw shooter as well. Always a good sign that his three-point shooting ch- should transition. Uh, he's a very good floor general with a high uh, basketball IQ, and he makes some impressive passes that only the true elite playmakers in this draft can. Uh, guys like Kill- Killian Hayes, guys like LaMelo Ball, just a very, very high IQ passer. Uh, he's a good finisher who does a good job of finishing through contact, even though he's a smaller player. And he can finish with either hand pretty well. Uh, he works great in the pick and roll, both as a passer and as a scorer. Uh, and with how good of a passer he is, mixed with his ability to do so much on the offensive side of the ball as a scorer, uh, it really makes it difficult for the uh, defense to guard him in the pick and roll. So if you get a good big man uh, running with him, uh, I think he's going to be very, very good at that. And he shows good efforts and uh, smarts on the defensive side of the ball. And he's just an excellent pres- presence in any locker room. He, uh, Everything that's came out from him is that he's a very high uh, character guy who just uh, would do anything to win and you got to love that for whatever team he's going to be on. My weaknesses, he's an older player whose ceiling uh, definitely may be limited. He lacks an elite first step, even though he does a good job of using handles to get to the basket. Uh, his lack of burst may limit him, especially guarding more uh, quick and athletic defenders. Uh, he, he's undersized and needs to put on muscle to try and uh, at least compensate for that lack of size. And though he does show good effort and smart on the defenses out of the ball, his lack of size and elite lateral quickness will definitely make him a player that will probably need uh, to be hidden on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and he isn't a very good vertical leaper, which isn't necessarily the most important thing as a point guard, but you'd like it to be there. Uh, and overall, his athleticism just isn't great. It's the most limiting part of his game. He can lack aggressiveness at times. He can be a little bit too unselfish. Uh, and he can be turned turnover prone sometimes not a huge issue and i think it'll definitely go down because he was a very uh, high usage player at michigan state and he doesn't get to the basket nearly enough just due to the lack of a very good first step which uh, doesn't get him to the free throw line nearly as much as he should as well especially with how good of a shooter he is from there i have him as a top 40 to 50 prospect i'm fitting best with the magic because they need need a guy who can be a real big time shot maker and they have great defensive pieces around him that could hide him on that end maybe a lineup of him markel fultz uh, aaron gordon jonathan isaac whenever he's back Maybe Terrence Ross in there. I think that could hide him pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. The Knicks, they need uh, point guard play, shooting, and someone who can help build the culture there. Uh, I'm compared to uh, current Celtics uh, point guard Tremont Waters. Uh, both guys who are very undersized and will never be great defenders, but I do have an impressive ability as a shot maker. And are two guys that, uh, from everything I've heard, are very high character guys. Uh, and are two guys who can pass the ball pretty well. So I actually like that comparison a lot. I think it fits very well for Cassius Winston. Next, I'm going to be talking about Malachi Flynn, who's a 22-year-old, uh, 6'1", 185-pound point guard out of San Diego State. He averaged 17.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 5.1 assists on 44.1% from the field, 37.3% from three, and 85.7% from the line. My strengths are that he's a great pick-and-roll player who can both uh, pass and score out of there very well. Uh, he's a very good playmaker overall who sees the f- floor well and makes many impressive reads. He does a good job of using his body at the basket when taking floaters. 
uh, in the games that I watched, I saw multiple times where he'd just bump off his defender uh, and then get a floater up. He was pretty good at those. He's a very good three-point shooter who can both uh, shoot them off the dribble and off the catch at a high rate and a high percentage, so I like that a lot. He's a very good free-throw shooter, always a good sign. Uh, is completely willing uh, to be off-ball with a good ability to get himself open, uh, he has good ball handling, which allows him to break down his defenders, and he has a good ability to hit shots off the dribble. Uh, he's a good rebounder for his size. He's only 6'1", but averaged 4.5 rebounds. A gritty defender who puts a lot of effort in on that end. Uh, he's a very good on-ball defender who uh, does a good job of getting around screens in the pick and roll, uh, defends well in, in isos, and has very good hands, which allows him to get steals. Um uh, and he's an excellent team defender who puts himself in good defensive stance and rotates very well. Uh, my weaknesses is that he's an older player. His physical uh, limitations put a lower ceiling on his potential. He doesn't have great bursts, which limits his ability to get to the basket. Uh, should put on some muscle, which would both have him, uh, help him as a defender and attacking the basket. Overall, his size and athleticism is very average to maybe slightly below average. And his defensive uh, versatility is definitely very limited just due to that lack of size and athleticism. Uh, he, and he has a below average wingspan as well. His touch could become better and he needs to get to the free throw line more. Uh, but yeah, he's still a good prospect and I like him. I have him as a top 35 to 45 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting best with the Hawks because they need pack, uh, backup point guard play a lot. And they could definitely use a degrade. A gritty defensive point guard behind Trey Young uh, who could just come in and even if he's only playing like 14 minutes a game I think that'd be very good for them and my comparison for uh, him is Fred Van Vliet I don't think he'll ever be as good as Fred Van Vliet because I think Fred Van Vliet is very very good uh, but I, I think he fits that mold of being a smaller def uh, gritty defender which Fred Van Vliet definitely is uh, also a guy who can shoot the ball very well so I do like that comparison a lot Last, we're going to be talking about Peyton Pritchard. He's a 22-year-old, 6'1", 190-pound guard out of Oregon. He averaged 20.5 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 5.5 assists on 46.8% for the field, 41.5% from three, and 82.1% from the line. My strengths are that he has an excellent jump shot for him. He has the ability uh, to shoot in a variety of ways. He can shoot off the dribble, off the catch, and some NBA range threes. Uh, has the ability to shoot from very, very deep out there. Uh, he's an unconscious shot maker who you can rely on to hit uh, big shots in key moments. He's a uh, very good free throw shooter. He's a crafty and quick ball handler who's good at creating his own shot. Uh, works well in the pick and roll, both of the score and a passer. A very solid passer who can sometimes pull off uh, some impressive passes. He does a good job of limiting turnovers, uh, though he had a very high usage rate. Uh, at Oregon, they relied on him a lot this previous season. He's a good rebounder for his size, uh, and he shows some impressive craftiness around the basket with the ability to use uh, Euro steps uh, and just an ability to uh, get around defenders even though he has a lack of size. And he's a very good leader who you never doubt is hard and will to win, which is always something that any team is going to want. Uh, my weaknesses, though uh, he's a very good free throw shooter, he doesn't get the to the line very often as his lack of a burst and a quick first step really limits his ability to get to the basket he just doesn't get there that often his ceiling is low as he's a four-year player whose athleticism his size is lackluster he can sometimes take some pretty bad shots i don't think that'll be a big issue in the nba when he uh, is put in a smaller role but sometimes he would take some very very questionable shots 
uh, early in the shot clock when other teammates were open. Defense will be something that he definitely is going to struggle with. Uh, as it'll be a challenge for him to guard guard quicker and bigger players with that lack of size and athleticism. And there are worries that his uh, difficult style of shot making may not transfer uh, to the NBA, especially with him being a player who's not very athletic. I'm as a top 40 to 50 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Magics because they need more uh, shot making and shot creation, and they have good defensive players around him that could hide on that him on that end and uh, I also have him fitting well with the Bucks because they could definitely use another guy to come in and just uh, be a big time shot maker who can create his own shot I'm uh, compared to Patty Mills and a bit of Jalen Brunson two nice backup point guards who can shoot the ball pretty well uh, and aren't super athletic but managed to make it work in the NBA I especially like the Patty Mills comparison I'm gonna take a break and I'll be right back to talk some NFL Okay, I'm back to talk about NFL Week 8. First, I'm going to talk about Patriots versus Bills. The Patriots lost a very, very close one against the Bills. Honestly, I was surprised they were even in the game. They were super shorthanded, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries. Stephon Gilmore was out. Uh, Nikhil Harry was out. Julian Edelman was out. Lost a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, but they were able to stay in the game. They played some very good offense in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jacoby Myers was great in this game. Had six receptions for 58 yards. Uh, Damian Harris played some excellent football. Averaged six uh, per carry on the ground. Had 102 yards and a touchdown. Cam Newton had 54 on the ground and a touchdown. Also, he had 15 uh, for 25 for 174. He played some pretty good football. But... The big thing is that he did uh, fumble late in the game, and that was very, very frustrating. As I was so annoyed because he just should have he just should have slid. It would have been so much better if he just slid because uh, we're in the red zone. We're very, very deep in Bills territory, and everything you need to do is just not fumble. That's all. You just need to hold on to the ball, and we want to get a touchdown. Obviously, we want to win the game. But just hold on to the ball and kick a field goal, and it's fine. We're going to go into overtime, and we have a chance to win. But fumbled, the Bills recovered, and the Patriots lose yet another one. Uh, J.C. Jackson had an interception. He's been great for them all year and these past couple of years. I love J.C. Jackson. And, I mean, on the Bills' side, it's not even like they played great. It was more of a uh, defensive game in this one for sure. Each quarterback didn't go crazy. Uh, 154 yards at an interception. The issue was, though, the Patriots got ran all over. They allowed a ridiculous amount of yards. They allowed base, like 190 yards on the ground. It was so, so sad to watch. They were getting ran all over. Uh, Zach Moss had 14 carries for 81 yards, two touchdowns. Devin Singletary had 14 carries for 86 yards. Josh Allen had 23 yards on a touchdown. It was bad. Uh, Stephon Diggs continues to have the great season that he's had so far. Six receptions for 92 yards. He's been so, so good for this Bills team. Uh, but honestly, the Bills just haven't impressed me that much ever since the beginning of the season. They barely beat the Jets. Uh, they lost to the Titans. Like, I'm not convinced about the Bills. They are 6-2, and two, but with Josh Allen not clicking like he was in the beginning of the season... I'm just honestly not super convinced in the Bills, and this is not me just being a hater because I'm a Patriots fan, and they're in the AFC East as well. They just haven't impressed me that much, and honestly, I don't even 
know if they're that much better than the Dolphins. Like, uh, the Bills are still a good team, though. Uh, it's more the defense that worries me about them. Their uh, defense is not the same as it's been last as it was last year and that's shown by the Patriots scoring 21 isn't even that much but the fact that that bad of an offense with such little offensive weapons with able to score 21 is a little bit concerning next I'm going to talk about Titans versus Bengals the Bengals had a very very big upset win uh Joe Burrow continues to be amazing what a rookie season for Joe Burrow so far he has been one of the better rookie QBs I've ever seen to be completely honest he had uh 26 for 37 about 250 yards two touchdowns he was so so good in this one uh, made a lot of big plays I love his ability to uh, move around in the pocket and the, avoid defenders he is so so advanced at that and even though he's not this crazy athletic quarterback uh, he is a good runner it's just he's not great he's so so good at avoiding pressure uh, and that's something that's very valuable and then he, he's uh, even though he doesn't have this crazy arm, he's not like Josh Allen, who has the most ridiculous arm ever. Uh, he just is super smart and makes the correct decisions and controls everything that he can control, uh, though he has some physical limitations. Just love Joe Burrow's game so much, uh, and he's been incredible as a rookie QB. Uh, Giovanni Bernard was good in this game. He had 62 carries for, uh, a, for a touchdown as well. Uh, Samaje uh, Perny had 32 yards for... A touchdown. Uh, they were just honestly played very good football in this one. T. Higgins has been incredible as a rookie uh, for this Bengals team. He had six receptions for 78 yards. He's uh, really starting to catch some momentum and has been good in basically every single game these past couple games. Tyler Boyd had a good game as well. Six receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. On Tate had seven receptions for 65 yards. Overall, they just played some very, very good football. Jesse Bates got an interception. Uh, they didn't get much pressure on the quarterback at all, and that's been by far the biggest issue with this team uh, is that they really don't get any pressure on the quarterback at all. But overall, they just played some great offense uh, and were able to outplay a very good Titans team who has been some good teams this year and has stayed in the game with some very good teams. Ryan Tannehill had 18 uh, completions for uh, 30 attempts, 233 yards, and two touchdowns, did have an interception. Was still decent this game, though. Uh, overall, the Titans were just fine this game, but they weren't good enough. Uh, it, like, Derrick Henry was uh, great in this one. Eight car- 18 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jeremy uh, McNichols had four carries for 49 yards. Like, they played good football. It's just they really couldn't uh, stop this uh Bengals team on offense and that's been by far the biggest issue with the Titans is that their defense has not been good this year uh, Corey Davis had a good game eight receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown he was excellent uh, AJ Brown had another touchdown he's been so so good so far this season uh, but they got basically no pressure on the quarterback at all they gave Joe Burrow way too much time and he took full advantage of that uh, and just played very very good and uh, like, they didn't get a single sack this entire game. And obviously, sack uh, sacks isn't, like, the most important thing. But they weren't getting much pressure on him either. So, they got to work on that. That's got to become something they're better at. Uh, and that's going to be the thing that may hold them back from being a true contender is if their defense can't step up. But the Titans are still a good team. I think that's more of an anomaly uh, than anything. 
Next, I want to talk about Vikings versus Packers. This was a very surprising game as the Vikings pulled off an impressive upset win. Uh, Kirk Cousins really didn't do anything special, but just played some very efficient football. Had 11 completions on 14 attempts for 160 yards and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook had 30 carries, 163 yards, 3 touchdowns, 2 receptions, 63 yards and a touchdown. Just a ridiculous game from Dalvin Cook. He was so incredible in this one. He, I mean, dude had 226 yards and four touchdowns. That is incredible. He was basically their entire offense, even though Kirk Cousins played uh, well. He was just more playing efficient and smart football. Dalvin Cook was doing absolutely everything uh, for this team. He was so incredible. And we really just see his impact. He is uh, such a big piece for this team, and he is one of the only running backs who I would truly pay big money because he is so, so valuable. Dalvin Cook is just a ridiculous player. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean, had three receptions for 26 yards. It, again, was just way more of a running game, especially with there being a lot of win. The conditions were not very good in any of these games, so it made sense for them to just rely on the running game, and it was very, very effective. I had to face someone who had Dalvin Cook in fantasy, and that was not a fun experience at all. <laughs> uh, their defense uh, didn't play great, but they played decent. Uh, really didn't get much pressure on the quarterback, uh, but uh, they did step up with a lot of guys being down with injuries and them already having a weekend defense. Uh, they stopped a, a very good Packers offense a lot of the times and made some timely plays, uh, and especially at the end of the game where the Packers were uh, marching down the field and it looked like they could have uh, scored a game-winning touchdown. Uh, the defense made a good play at the end of the game and uh, forced Aaron Rodgers to fumble, and that was a very good play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was decent in this game, 291 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the running game was pretty good. Jamal Williams had 75 yards on 16 carries. I wish they just would have kept going to the running game because it was pretty effective, and like I said, the conditions uh, weren't great so that I feel like they should have just kept going to that running game, even though they were down a little bit, and obviously it's harder to run the ball when you're down. Um, yeah, but I wish they just would have kept going to that because it was very effective for them. Uh, and they were definitely lacking a bit of offensive weapons uh, just due to them dealing with some injuries here and there. But Devontae Adams was great in this one. Seven receptions, 53 yards, and three touchdowns. He has been so, so good. Whenever he's on the field uh, for them, he's just been dominating. Uh, but the biggest issue with this Packers team, they're obviously talented. They got one of the better quarterbacks in the league. They got a great number one receiver, got a very good running game, and has a defense that can be good at times. But yet again, their run defense is a massive issue for them. We saw this last year against the 49ers where they got ran all over. They were it was like over 200 yards on them. It was really ugly, and they got blew out that game, and that's why I'm a bit wavering on calling them a contender just due to the running game being a big issue for them to stop. Ronald Jones ran all over them in the Buccaneers game. Like Their running defense is a big, big problem, and it's something that I'd love to see them try and make a move to improve on uh, at, at this deadline because if they want to go all in, uh, especially with this probably being one of the last years of Aaron Rodgers' prime, you got to improve that run defense. Uh, and we're going to see good running backs like Dalvin Cook just tear apart this team. 
if they face a team like the Buccaneers, I think that's going to be a big matchup nightmare for them with Ronald Jones being so good this season and their defense being so good as well. If they face a team like the Seahawks, who has a ridiculously electric offense, though their defense is bad, uh, I think that could be a big problem for them as well. Chris Carson is a very good running back. Uh, There's just a lot of teams that could potentially give them problems. And any team who has an effective running game, the Packers need to be worried about because uh, they lost to a football team that just simply isn't very good in the Minnesota Vikings, uh, all due to the running game and how well they were able to control uh, the clock, how well they were able to control the possess- uh, the time of possession they had, and they just ran all over the team. So definitely got to figure that out if they want to be a true contender, and that's the big issue with this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, it's going to be something that they absolutely need to fix as soon as possible. Next, I want to talk about Rams versus Dolphins. We had Tua Tungavailoa's NFL debut. It was a pretty uh, interesting one for sure. He only had uh, 12 completions for 93 yards and a touchdown. Uh, honestly, it was just way more of a defensive game for this Miami Dolphins team, and they played some ridiculous defense. They played so, so good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but just with their offense, uh, it was more them just trying to – uh, run the ball and then uh, control the clock, especially when they got that big lead. They scored 21 points in the second quarter and didn't score another point the entire game. Uh, the running game really wasn't effective, and that was a big issue for them because they were trying to run it down uh, the Rams' throat and just control the clock, but Miles Gaskin wasn't very good. Had uh, 18 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown, only averaged 2.6. Matt Breida had four carries for 13 yards. And then, uh, yeah, Tua was just uh, pretty decent in this one. Did have a fumble very early in the uh, in his NFL career. Literally his first pass, Aaron Donald, who's been so, so good this year. Aaron Donald has had an absolutely incredible season so far. Uh, forced him to fumble. That was his welcome to the league moment. And honestly, I really like that the Dolphins chose to put them uh, put him against a very good Rams team with uh, the best defensive player in the NFL. I like that a lot because it gives him a challenge. And, uh, I mean, he stepped up. He played decent. Uh, didn't throw inter- any interceptions, which you like to see. And overall, he was just uh, uh, solid in this game. Had a solid NFL debut. And I expect him to play better uh, in the next game. And I expect him to have to air it out a little more. And hopefully he can step up to that challenge and... Uh, play some good football. I definitely believe in Tua Tagovailoa and think he's very, very good. Uh, but th- it was just definitely more the uh, the defense that stepped up than anything. Their defense played excellent. Uh, forced two fumbles and recovered both of those. Uh, got two interceptions. Eric Rowe and Christian Wilkins both got an interception. They were doing a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback, uh, making it tough for Jared Goff. And honestly, a lot of the times it just came down to Jared Goff making some mistakes at the end of the day. Uh, Jared Goff had by far his worst game of the season. I mean, he did have 355 yards, but that's because they were down so much. He threw the ball 61 times, uh, had one touchdown, two interceptions, had four turnovers in the first quarter alone, uh, fumbled twice, and they lost both of those. Like It was it was an ugly one for Jared Goff. I, ex- is, I definitely expect him to bounce back in this next game. Uh, their running game was pretty good, but they just couldn't run the ball too often uh, due to them digging themselves into t- such a deep hole. But their running game has been good all year. Uh, they just 
run with a variety of guys. Zero Henderson got eight carries. Malcolm Brown got 10 carries. And Cam Akers got nine carries. And they all averaged uh, about four yards per carry. So that's definitely good. Cooper Cup was great this game. 11 receptions for 110 yards. Uh, Robert Woods was great. He had a touchdown on the ground and had seven receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. But yeah, Jared Goff has simply got to be better. Uh, and they cannot turn over the ball so much. That second quarter was an absolute disaster for them. Uh, and was by far the reason they lost this game was just a very bad third quarter with poor execution and Jared Goff playing some of the worst football I've seen him play in a long, long time. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Saints versus Bears. This was a very close one going down to the wire. An overtime win for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Drew Brees was pretty decent in this one. He had 31 completions on 41 attempts, 280 yards, and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara was good. 12 carries for 67 yards. Uh, Taysom Hill had five carries for 35 yards. He also had a receiving touchdown. He had two receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown. You know, doing Taysom Hill things, being a versatile player. Uh, Alvin Kamara also had uh, 96 yards receiving. He's just been so incredible for the Saints all year, especially with them uh, being uh, hindered by injuries, definitely. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was out this game yet again, and Michael Thomas continues uh, to deal with injuries. Hopefully he'll be back soon for them, and that'll be a big piece. Uh, but it was honestly very impressive for them to win this game against a Bears team that I don't believe in at all, but it's at least decent uh, with just a huge lack of offensive weapons. Jared Cook continues to be good for them. He had uh, five receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but honestly, they just played some pretty good, efficient football. Uh, relied on Alvin Kamara a lot, as they have all year. Uh, and that works for them. They played uh, pretty good defense as well. Marshawn Lattimore got an interception. Uh, they were doing a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. They got... Uh, a good amount of sacks, a good amount of tackles for loss. They were just doing a very good well, a very good job of beating that Bears offensive line, which uh, proves to be a bit of a problem as uh, these past couple games, they've been getting beat way too often, uh, and there's been way too much pressure in Nick Foles' face. Uh, he got sacked five times in this one. They definitely got to work on that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Saints just played some pretty good football overall, especially considering the injuries that they're dealing with. I expect them to be a lot better uh, when they aren't having to deal with those injuries anymore. Nick Foles was fine in this game, but the Nick Foles experiment just isn't working. They need they need to draft a quarterback. Let, let's all be honest here. Mitchell Trubisky, we know who Mitchell Trubisky is. He ain't it at all. And Nick Foles definitely ain't it either. He had 28 uh, completions on 41 attempts, 272 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, the offense just lacks that explosiveness that a true contender needs. Uh, they And they have pretty good uh, receivers for Nick Foles, but he just hasn't been that good uh, this year. D did look good early in his Bears career, but hasn't really looked good since. Allen Robinson continues to be an animal for them. He had six receptions for 87 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown was beautiful. Phenomenal catch from him. Uh, Daryl Mooney has been great for the Bears team as a rookie, as a guy who was drafted late in the draft. I really like his potential. Uh, he is one of my favorite players on this Bears team. Probably my favorite, to be honest. He had five receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. I think he's going to be really, really good for them. Uh, just a great deep threat who can uh, really take the top off the defenses with some good speed and some decent route running ability. David Montgomery ran the ball very effectively. He had 21 carries for 89 yards. 
Uh, Anthony Miller had eight receptions for 73 yards. And overall, it just wasn't a very good offensive game from them, uh, which continues to be a big issue. This defense is very, very good, but their offensive line has been not good at all, and then their quarterback just simply isn't good enough, and uh, that's the big issue with the Bears. I still don't believe in them at all. I haven't believed in them all year, even when they started uh, off so hot, they b- barely beat some not very good teams with some lucky circumstances, uh, like like teams dropping wide open touchdowns. I just never have been a believer in the Bears team, if I'm being completely honest, and I continue to not be a believer in the Bears team. But a team that I do believe in is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have been absolutely incredible this season. Are now seven and zero. Beat a very good Ravens team. Uh, as Big Ben played some decent football, he had 21 uh, completions on 32 attempts, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. Nothing special, uh, but just did what he needed to do. James Conner was fine this game, I guess. He had uh, 15 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown. Juju had seven receptions for 67 yards. Eric Ebron continues to be a really nice piece for them. He had 48 uh, yards and a touchdown. Chase Claypool had 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, definitely a bounce-back game for him. But overall, it was uh, their defense that uh, just played very good football, stepped up in some big moments, uh, and forced a lot of fumbles. They forced three fumbles, recovered two of them, had two interceptions as well, and just played some very timely football, uh, stopping the Ravens late in game uh, and just playing excellent down the stretch. Uh, Stephon Tuitt had two sacks, Bud Dupree had a sack, TJ Watt had a sack. He was wreaking havoc that entire game. TJ Watt is so, so good. Uh, he's so valuable for this team. And they just picked up Avery Williamson from the Jets for, uh, they only had to give up a seventh, uh, fifth round pick, and they got a seventh back with him. That's an excellent trade for them. Uh, get another good inside linebacker, especially with Devin Bush being down with injury, which is something I, that was one of the things I was a little bit worried, but now they just replaced him with an older player, but a player who is still uh, pretty talented, and it's going to be great for them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers just played some uh, pretty smart and efficient football in this one. They did kind of get ran all over, not going to lie. It was a little bit weird as their run defense is something that was so impressive so far this season. But J.K. Dobbins uh, had 113 yards on only 15 carries. Uh, Gus Edwards was running all over them, had 87 yards and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson had 65 yards. Uh, Lamar in the passing game simply was not good enough. Uh, 208 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, completed less than 50% of his passes. He's got to be better. Um, And that's something, that's why I don't really believe in them that much, is their passing game just isn't good enough for me. And I just don't believe in it, especially with them lacking that true number one guy. Like, if we just look at the stats, Willie Sneed had five receptions for 106 yards, but then it's like, uh, nobody else had more than 40 yards. That's a big issue with this team. Marquise Brown only had two targets, and he only had one reception for three yards, and he did have a touchdown. Lamar Jackson fumbled three times in this massive, massive issue uh, for them. That is simply not acceptable from such a talented player like Lamar Jackson, who usually doesn't fumble the ball that much, even though he runs the ball a lot. He never has uh, been a, a big time fumbler at the quarterback position but he fumbled way too often and fumbled in some key moments that really screwed this Ravens team over and I mean they played some decent defense as well they uh, contain Big Ben pretty well they can uh, 
Uh, they contained James Conner, but it was really their offense that let them up and put them in some bad positions with some very costly turnovers, hurting them a lot. Uh, and, yeah, the Steelers team, so, so good so far this year. Uh, I've been really impressed by them, and they've looked like one of the best teams in the entire NFL. Next, I want to talk about the Denver Broncos' crazy comeback win against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Drew Locke played some excellent football in this one. They went down 24-3. It looked like this game was going to be over. So many people were so shocked to see that Denver won. Uh, but Drew Locke played some very, very efficient football. I love Drew Locke. He's honestly one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. I'm a big fan of him. He had 26 uh, completions on 41 attempts, uh, 248 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, did have an interception in there, but still played very, very good and led a super efficient drive down the field. Just played some lights-out football to close out that game. I was so impressed by him on that last drive. He played some of the best football I've seen him play in a while. Uh, Philip Lindsay had six carries for 83 yards and a touchdown. Deshaun Hamilton had four receptions, 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, KJ Hamler was the one with the game-winning touchdown. Uh, he had three, only three receptions for 13 yards, but hey, I mean, got a touchdown when it mattered. Albert Okwebenam, who was one of my favorite uh, later prospects in this draft, got his first NFL touchdown. Jerry Judy, even though uh, he does do some things wrong and he has drops here and there he's going to be a player who's uh, going to be one of the best receivers uh, in the NFL at some point he's just too talented not to be he had four receptions for 73 yards such a polished route runner uh, mixed with his physical abilities just makes him such a good player uh, they did have two interceptions as well Bryce Callahan had an interception Justin Simmons had an interception they need to pay Justin Simmons he's one of the best safeties in the NFL one of the most underrated safeties as well for sure they definitely need to give that man a contract um and then their defense uh, overall didn't play great, but they stepped up in key moments and uh, made some very, very timely plays. Uh, and I was just so impressed by Drew Locke. He had an excellent game. Uh, Justin Herbert had a pretty good game, 29 uh, completions on 43 attempts, 278 yards, three touchdowns, did have two interceptions, like I said. Uh, but that hasn't been a big issue for him all year, so I'm not really worried. Uh, the running game was also pretty effective for them. Justin Jackson had 70, 17 carries for 89 yards. Uh, Jermaine Pope had uh, 10 carries for six, 67 yards. Uh, overall, the running game was just pretty effective. Mike Williams had a good game. He's been great for them all season. He had five receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Keenan Allen, the other part of that great receiver tandem, had uh 67 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Hunter Henry had 33 yards. Justin Jackson had 53 yards. Uh, Rashawn Jenkins did get an interception for them. Uh, but honestly, it was just their lack of situational football that really hurt them in this one. Uh, their defense didn't get much pressure on the quarterback at all. Uh, they were getting beat by basically the same routes down the field. Like I, At the end of the day, I was impressed by Drew Locke, but the Chargers got to play better. They were playing terrible defense at the end of that game. Uh, and just got sliced apart, and then they did a terrible job of managing the clock and keeping the lead, which has been a big issue for them. We obviously joke about the Falcons because the Falcons have blown so many leads, but the Chargers are up there with blown leads. Like, they're in every game, and they managed to mess it up somehow. So they definitely got to fix that, and I feel really bad for Justin Herbert because even though he did have two interceptions, like, he still played a good game. And the, that loss was not his fault at all. It was some bad play calling and just some bad situational football that definitely hurt them big time. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed by the Broncos. 
uh, win, and I enjoyed that game a lot. One of my favorite games uh, of the day, and it was a crazy comeback to win. It was really exciting. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure to leave a like on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to subscribe to the Clips channel. Uh, do all that stuff. And yeah, it's been Michael. Peace out.